This is Self Startup. Hello again. Welcome to Self Startup. This is a podcast that highlights the small business owners, the self-employed and freelancers who have taken the plunge to create their own desirable lifestyle. My name is Andy Dowling. I'm also the host of the Andy Social Podcast. I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord, and I'm also a dispute resolution specialist. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching at Andy Dowling, or you can head on over to selfstarter.com.au where you can learn more about yours truly, as well as anything and everything to do with the self-employment world. This episode is with Rebecca Wantderoe of Wantderoe Real Estate in Darwin. Now, as you hear in this episode, Rebecca says that this was an accidental business. In fact, starting a business was the last thing that she felt comfortable in doing. Having felt the firsthand experiences of family business failures as a child, there was a real reluctance to lean toward a world which had previously brought a lot of pain and stress. Nonetheless, Life threw a number of surprises at Rebecca, which found her long-standing reputation as a respected property manager unexpectedly turning into this magnet for clients wanting to work with her and her only. Now, it was just a matter of turning this attraction into a long-term relationship. So enter Want Duro Real Estate. The business is a boutique property management agency that looks after small property portfolios focusing on customer service and care. With now being four and a half years in, the business is doing really good. In fact, all of Rebecca's clients are a 100% word of mouth originating from her reputation of years of working in the community. I sat down with Rebecca to hear more of her story, which is really, really interesting. Her love of property since she was a child, managing a number of changes professionally and personally, as well as how Want Duro Real Estate accidentally became a business. So as always, you can check out the show notes over at sellstarter.com.au. You can go to the Want to Row website by going to wdrrealestate.com.au. But as mentioned, everything will be in the show notes over at sellstarter.com.au. So enough of me yapping. Please enjoy this really great episode with Rebecca Want to Row of Want to Row Real Estate in Darwin. My name's Rebecca Wantgerow and I'm the Director and Property Manager of Wantgerow Real Estate, which is a boutique property management business based in Darwin. Uh, we, are, we are a small business and it's just myself and uh, another full-timer and a casual staff member, so we're nice and small. Um, and I guess we're a little bit of an accidental business, I guess you could call it, but um, we, we're doing a lot better than I'd ever imagined, and we're going strong. Well, the accidental part, I'll definitely dig into. I'm intrigued. Uh, but <laughs> uh, the, I guess taking a step back, what were you doing before the business was created? So I was actually working for uh, – I have a history in politics and uh, real estate. Uh, I actually had this love of real estate from a very, very young age. So I remember going for walks as a little kid and I used to just look at properties and just think if that was mine, what would I do? You know, how much would you get for rent and things like that? And over the years, I kind of, um, I guess my love for politics kind of took over and I went down that path. I um, then decided to actually get out of that and uh my dream of getting into real estate. I did sales for a while and I realised that wasn't my passion. It really was uh, the property management side of things. But um, 
being in sales, you know, you either succeed or you fail. And if you fail, it means all your savings go. Mm. So I actually went back into um, politics for a while and got my savings back up and then uh, went back into property management and was working as, um, got back into real estate and was working as a property manager. And I realised my love for it and knew that was definitely, I was doing what I'd wanted. Um, and... Yeah, I guess over time I, I got married. I um, was working um, ridiculous hours for an, a much larger agency and um, just went, felt pregnant, was going to go on maternity leave. Uh, and I guess um, I, I, the lifestyle and the amount of hours I was having to put in at that agency with the amount of properties they had me managing and, and my level of service that I wanted to provide for my customers, I knew I, I couldn't do it. So the thought in the background was always about getting into um, doing my own business. My husband always thought I should, but I was very hesitant. I guess the the big step came when an owner actually asked me to to do it, to consider it, and that's how we started. So I'd had I'd worked in real estate before, but I kind of was in and out. Uh, and for many years, I was managing my own investment properties on my own, and. Um, and was did the real estate course because I actually wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing by my own tenants, and I guess the love kind of came in there. Oh, there's a few things here. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, you mentioned before, like your your husband said that you should you should have been doing this, but you were hesitant. Was there was there anything in particular that stopped you from doing it sooner? Was there I don't know some you know a lot of people have a fear of. Uh, of you know stepping out and and putting your name against something what what were the big things that were holding you back initially yeah failing was just and i guess that's still my fear now is failing uh, so we've uh coming up to four years we've been running but uh, my husband was probably talking to me about it for about a year and a half maybe two years before i actually decided to take that step uh, but my dad growing up he had he had a lot of little businesses that he tried and they all failed and they all failed drastically and my mum was always left with some debt after that mm. and I promised as, as a kid that I would never be a business owner I would never have a small business I would never be one of those um and now now I am <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's that just seeing my dad and how he struggled and he he had this dream of, of having a small business, a successful small business, but seeing how that impacted our family is what really scared me. Well, geez, I, I don't blame you. I mean, if, if that's, especially as a, as a child being, uh, I guess, exposed to, to that and feeling the, the impact of that uh, firsthand, seeing the results of of the the bad side of it, um, I'm I'm surprised that uh, eventually you're able to to muster up the courage and, and take that step. And and as you mentioned before, having somebody approach you and ask uh, you to to manage their property was probably a, a nice soft way to to get you, uh, I guess, interested or or uh, you know comfortable with the concept of potentially doing this on a on a bigger scale. Um, one thing that I just going back really quickly with, I guess the back, uh, your background and your family and the experiences that you had with small business without digging into too much, too much, because I mean, it's, it's family and there's probably a lot of, a lot of sensitivities around it, but were there certain things that you took away in hindsight now, many years later, where 
you can see certain things that you know what not to do, um, lessons that you've learned, um, you know, from what your father did in business that, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be able to make a better, a better decision moving forward? Yeah, look, one thing I did notice once I started looking into doing my own business was the importance of having a business plan. Hmm. My dad never had one of those. And he also, I mean, part of the business plan is looking at your competition, looking at, um, you know, your market. And he kind of was, he had this big dream, but never did the work in making sure he was providing a product that people wanted. Mm. So uh, he would get a great idea and go, well, this is what I'm going to do. And he'd go out and he, you know, he didn't have any financial backing. So he was just scraping whatever money he could from, you know, the family budget. And looking back, and I think, and I tell anyone now that is starting to, that is considering going into a small business is the importance of having a business plan. Even if you only plan to be very, very small, you still need an idea of what your competition is doing, what their, you know, what their point of difference is or what your point of difference is going to be in that market. Um, and whether you're going to, you know, whether you only intend to bring in a couple of hundred dollars a, a week or whether you intend to, you know, to grow and, and be a bigger business, the business plan, I just can't say enough, is so important. So, that first person that came to you and and through the pitched the idea to you for for you to manage their property um in hindsight now and a few years into it did that was that probably the big thing that pushed you over to to really sort of warm you to that concept to to really sort of dive into this further or was that sort of just the last thing of i guess you already pre-planning that this was going to eventually happen regardless uh look i I would say I was probably 60% convinced I would do it. I was um, really dragging my feet at this point and I, I knew I was pregnant and I knew that um, I would have to finish up work and I kind of liked the idea of not having to worry about, you know, am I going to be bringing in enough money to support my family? Um, and then when this gentleman approached me, he said, Either I ha he wanted me to either start up my own business or whatever agency I would go to, he would follow. And he, he asked me, um, this gentleman had 15 properties, so he um, advised that I could go to another agency and request more money and offer to bring his property with me. Mm. Um, so that was really lovely knowing that it was actually me he wanted um, and he said he would support me if I decided to go to another agency however he thought I would be better suited in having um, and going out on my own um, and he, he mentioned it to me several times the first time I thought he was just being being sweet he was just <laughs> being very flattering and then yeah. when he kept talking about it, he said you know I'm happy to sit down over a coffee and um, like I'm serious Rebecca you need to do this I spoke to my husband and one of the fears was I could go out on my own but what if no one wants to come over to me? So that's where I guess I call myself the accidental, you know, we accidentally got into it. There was this intention, but I I had no faith in myself and I really thought that he would bring over his 15 properties and that would be all I would manage. I I really didn't think I would have anybody else want to come on board. So, um, so I decided to do it and I thought well I've got uh, a new well he was about uh, six months old after I'd done the study to actually open the my own business I thought well I can do this because I can 
you know, I can still enjoy being a mum and I can have that flexibility, but I'm only managing 15 properties. So I can give him that attention that he, he needs from me, but, and it's going to be, I guess, some, a bit of pocket money for the family, but I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of stress on myself. And, and that's how we started. However, that only lasted three weeks. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I actually bumped into another owner doing grocery shopping and, and she was asking when I was coming back and I said, you know, I've decided I haven't and I'm looking after another owner and uh, she actually gave notice to the agency the next day and brought her 10 properties over to me wow. um, uh, a follow the following week because um, they'd breached um, their agreement so she could actually end their agreement very fast very quickly so she brought her 10 over and then um, I think it was the following week of just through friends I had another five so <laughs> within the first month we end up hitting 30 properties without advertising without you know really talking to anyone and which was quite funny because I did it thinking I would only have 10 and I could have a little um, 15 and I had that, um, it would be, you know, it wasn't going to impact my family so much and I could look after my son and everyone understood that I had, you know, I had a small child and so I was going to be working um, around him and and they, they were still keen to go on board. So that's how I guess we accidentally grew to, to a bit bigger than where, we, than where I thought we would be. Well, I mean, any doubts that you had of yourself and where that, where the concept of, or the thought of, of your own business would go from, you know, just from, I guess, what you've experienced growing up and just the, I guess those, those horror stories or the, the bad stories along the way. I mean, geez, that's some, that's some great validation in a very short space of time <laughs> to, to give you, yeah. give you that boost that you needed. It was a real good confidence boost, that's for sure. And I mean... No doubt isn't luck, and it's not something that has happened with no. I mean, for you, it would be no warning because you weren't expecting it. But I would assume that your your relationships that you built over all that time leading up to it with these particular people and everybody that you dealt with um, was where your asset was. That that was the value that you're providing, and and little did you know, and until you know those people came knocking on your door that you were you were building up your value in that area and, and those people and um you know that i mean it's it's sort of that putting in the hard yards without even knowing where it's going to go but it, it sort of all comes to a to to a point where where you've it's it's coming back in it's coming back tenfold yes yes definitely definitely and you, you really don't think at the time when i was working for another agency and i i really liked my owners and i really um felt if I was going to work for them, I really needed to know how they worked. You know, everyone is different and some owners uh, were more high maintenance than others. And I mean, it took me a while in that job in learning how each owner worked and then to make sure that I could provide for them the best services working with what suited them. And at the time, I just thought, I'm, I'm a people person anyway. I love people. I love um, making new friends and um I really didn't think what I was doing back then was actually going to be benefiting me later. So uh, it, it's a lovely surprise. It looks like being a people person actually pays off. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely. And I mean, those those first few months where 
you've had this one, this one person who's approached you, given you a bunch of properties, then you've met some, you've bumped into somebody doing the, doing the shopping. And then, and then it's sort of evolved and grown off that. Those first few months where you've suddenly gone, wow, like I've got all this, all this work here. What were some of those challenges that you had in those first few months of just, I don't know, finding your feet, finding that rhythm? Like what, what sort of things were you confronted with in that, in that time frame? Look, um, probably the biggest mistake I made, um, which caused me a lot of stress, was one was not having enough confidence in myself because what I had thought was that I was going to only be managing, you know, 15, maybe 20 at the most properties. So I thought if I'm if I'm only looking after 15 properties, I don't need to invest in property management software because you know, I can just do up little spreadsheets and that will be fine. So I I started the business literally just using spreadsheets. And um, when rent was coming in, it was going in a little Excel spreadsheet. And we grew at quite a fast rate um, that, that I could not keep up with the spreadsheets. And then by the time I, I started looking for um, property management software, I was actually quite busy. So trying to have that time of, you know, putting a couple of hours aside so I could go through, you know, video video tutorials with these agencies and kind of figuring out what it was that I wanted for this little business. Um, but also getting people to take you serious. There was a lot of agencies that were like, oh, you only manage 30 properties or 40 properties. You're not worth our time. And, mm. and really trying to make sure I could connect with, those people um, and then once we got it in um, it was I really struggled in I mean I understand the property management side of things but I really struggled with the trust accounts and my obligations with the act I, I understood what I needed to do however putting it into this system and making sure I got my head around it and you know, I couldn't stuff up any of the trust accounting side of things because that could possibly be my, my real estate license gone. So just having that stress, um, I put my I, I did put a lot of stress on myself. And if I could redo it all over, I would have actually had that software ready to go before I took on any property. So trying to trying to, you know, um, get the business rolling and being a little bit more professional than just, you know, having Word documents and Excel spreadsheets. Uh, that was probably our biggest one. And and then I also found I um, I decided to become a sole trader. Um, I, originally, I thought about becoming a company and then I saw all the paperwork that was involved and I got really overwhelmed by it. So I just went, you know, it's just going to be easier if I'm a sole trader, so I'll go to a sole trader. Um, and then after a year and a half, I, I wasn't comfortable being a sole trader anymore. I really wanted to go as a company. And that's when I, I actually made the effort and looked for a, a decent accountant. Um, and my accountant now, she's amazing. I don't, I don't do anything to do with tax. She does it all for me. Um, and she managed to get me running up as a company within an hour and a half and here I was I think I'd spent longer or much longer looking at these documents freaking out stressing out oh how do I fill it out what does this mean what does that mean and in one afternoon she'd send me an email you're officially a company now and I was like 
why didn't I do this from the beginning? Because that meant I had to change all my bank account details. I could had to have new account details under a company, ABN, changing our ABN, and that meant changing all my letterhead. That meant contacting all my tenants and advising, you know, your rent has changed. And then const, um, the bank account details had changed, so they had to change it with their bank. And then spending three months chasing them up constantly, saying, you're putting the money in the wrong account. And so, again... I should have gone to uh, um, to get to my accountant to begin with, um, and I should have really looked into more the differences between a company and a trust account and what was best suited. But again, I did not think I was going to grow to the point I did. So I thought 15 properties, 20 at most. You know, I, I only need to be a sole trader because we're not going to be big. But um, so that I guess that's where I look at it and go, I should have had more confidence in myself. And if I had, then I would have done these things to begin with. So they're the, they're the biggest um, lessons I learned right at the beginning. It's, I mean, it depends on how you look at it because if you didn't go through those pain points, you probably, would ha you probably wouldn't have, I guess, the hindsight or the appreciation that you have for where you are now. Um, and if everything went smoothly and you had all that pre-planning and the confidence, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe you, you might be in a more comfortable position in some ways, but in probably other ways, you may not have learned a few things about yourself along the way. And just that example that you said about spending, you know, a year or a year and a half being a sole trader. And when you're initially looking at the options and just going, this is, this is too much. Like, I, I don't even know where to start. There's so much paperwork involved. And then an accountant comes along and does it in an hour and a half. I've seen, uh, there's been quite a few stories on this podcast of other people that have put things aside that just seem far too complicated, but with, you know, a bit of time where you're stopping and giving yourself the opportunity to, I guess, to begin with, just breathe a little bit and just work out, okay, if I can't do this, who can? And it's amazing how quickly things can move if we allow ourselves a little bit of time just to just to really sort of analyze what's going on and just taking a bit of stock and, and making that decision of, of what we, what we're going to do with this situation, because I'm, I'm this I'm, something that I struggle with all the time. I put things off all the time. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> complicated things, things I'm not used to things. I'm not, I don't have exposure to or experience. I, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. I don't know where to start. So I don't start it. And Later on down the track, I find out that it was actually not that bad after all, or somebody can come in and, and save me. But um, yeah, yeah. sometimes we're a little bit too, we're too busy or it's it's too hard basket or sometimes we're just a little bit too reluctant or worried uh, that of showing a little bit of vulnerability that we don't know something and reaching out to somebody else for help. Yes, definitely, definitely. The um, Moving along with, I guess, I'm just trying to think of where, where to take this next because I went on your website and I had a look and I was really, really impressed with it. And mind you, I don't have a lot of comparisons with other other uh, businesses of, of your type. So I don't know whether you're you're just uh, in line with the, the standard or whether you're setting the standard, but I was quite impressed with uh, how user-friendly the website is. You've got an FAQ page, you've got a forms page, you've got uh, friends of the business um, that, you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, utilities and, and companies there that people can lean on. And it just, it takes a lot of the questioning out of it where people are too scared to potentially reach out and ask a question and then make a decision themselves that may be incorrect. Um, where did that come from? Did you learn that the hard way or did you see other people doing it wrong or is 
is that kind of stuff online more common practice with the type of work that you do? No, I actually found that I didn't, when I was doing my business plan and I was researching other businesses, that's where I found I couldn't get much information from other businesses. And I found that really frustrating. There was a couple of the bigger agencies do it and they do it quite well. But um, some of the smaller businesses, I couldn't get any information. And I was always getting that um, this website is, you know, under maintenance or just, you know, a Facebook page. And it, it just really frustrated me. And I just thought I, I want to be able to have a place where my tenants can can find me. They can ask me these questions. Um, and these were questions that I had already, you know, was always already being asked a lot of. So I, I, I guess I didn't see a lot of it. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to start a business, I wasn't going to have someone in my spot going, what does this business mean? What do they represent? What, you know, what services do they provide? I wanted it to be very clear on who we were um, and not seeing a lot of that um, with other agencies. I thought, well, that will be a bit of a point of difference for us that I can actually um, give that information, be upfront. Well, you, you took the words out of my mouth. The point, point of difference, it's... Um... It's something that, for me, not having a lot of exposure to the to the industry from from that point of view, um, I didn't know whether there would be other other businesses that were doing a similar thing. But that stood out straight away when I looked at that because I just think, in general, regardless of the industry, there's still so many businesses out there that don't spell it out for people. They don't provide all the information. It you have to dig, or you have to you have to make a phone call, or you have to try and find. Oh, even just finding an email address sometimes is such a such a task, and yeah, and yes. and you're then you're relying on the person on the other end to be available, um, to be patient, um, to deliver that message in a tone that um, is going to be easily digestible by the person who's asking the question, and and it can be quite difficult. And no doubt, if you didn't have those FAQs or you know all of those forms, which I reckon that that in itself would just save you so much time. If you didn't have those things on your website, you would be spending X amount of hours per week addressing those questions or, or organizing for those types of forms to be sent out to different people along the way. And, and by just putting it out there, I think you're probably just saving yourself a lot of, a lot of time and cre creating some efficiency. Yes. And I also, a part of me wanted to make sure that I had, good website because I, I'm and I've still got it now, I'm constantly worried that people don't think, don't take us seriously being such a small business and only being around for such a short time. Um, I wanted to make sure that if someone Googled me, they could see that we are a genuine business um, and being in such a small town and we don't, we don't do any marketing. I wanted to make sure that when people, you know, saw me on realestate.com and they were like, who's this? Is this a new agency? They could actually Google and see that we were a real business, that we, you know, that we do have a real presence. So that was another reason behind it was just to kind of make ourselves look that little bit more professional. So no marketing whatsoever. So, and just given what you explained with the, the accidental uh, launch of your business, uh, all of this that you have at the moment, all the clients that you have is this organic buildup of, of word of mouth. Yes. Yes. So all our, all our clients are word of mouth. Um, 
we we're very lucky. So we've currently got a um, 90 properties on our books. Um, we've had quite a lot leave because they've sold properties or some owners have started to self-manage uh, because of the um, drop in rental prices here. Um, we've also given a lot of properties back to owners, um, saying that we didn't want to manage their properties anymore. Um, I'm very strict on what type of property and what type of client I want. Um, so we've given some back. So I think we would have had about 130 all up come to us. Um, and that's all through word of mouth. A few things that we do as well is when we do get a, when we do get some a recommendation from someone, if that person comes um, through to us, if that if we do get a client out of that recommendation, we will always send the person that's recommended us. Uh, we either send them flowers, which doesn't I think that's only happened twice. But the main thing we do is we send them a box of boutique of um, sorry gourmet cupcakes with our logos on them, um, just and with a card to say thank you. I really feel, especially in such a small town, that the best kind of advertising is just through word of mouth. So uh, we always make sure we thank our customers, our clients for that. And I know I've actually had one client that's recommended us, I think, to six people now. She says she does it because she loves the cupcakes, but <laughs> What an incentive. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so important to, and I think um, a lot of people forget this, especially when they start to see a little bit of success and you start to see people coming in and they're, they're you know, they're paying for your services or paying for your product or whatever it is. And you start to almost... Not everybody does it, but you kind of subconsciously disregard your customer because there's new ones coming in. There's a new person coming in. And so you're always looking to build and grow and find that ne that new person, that next person. But if you take that step back and you look after your, I guess, your inner circle, um, they become your marketing team. Uh, your Those clients that came to you initially uh, are an extension of, of your business in a way. They're, they're, they're a street team. They're, they're the ones out there that are talking about the business, talking it up, being advocates for, for, for what you do. And, you know, that doesn't cost you anything. It costs you some, some time and investment to, to nurture and look after those relationships, but you're doing that already. And you're lucky that you you've got a business that involves, you know, being a people person and it, uh, it definitely has so many additional benefits. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, one thing that you mentioned as well, and I want to just quickly touch on it because we haven't really spoken about it on this podcast before. You mentioned about, in some cases, you've given properties back to, to clients and you've made that decision to no longer uh, manage particular properties for whatever reason. You've got a set of standards that you, that you want to upkeep. How important do you believe it is to say no to opportunities? or opportunities might not be the correct word, but to, to things that come along and being able to say no, because I think sometimes we, we cause a lot of damage and we hurt ourselves because we just, we feel we have to say yes to everything. Yes, that that's very true. And I found that in my previous agency, I had this one owner and we couldn't do anything right for him. Um, and I remember just working my guts out and I loved my job, but there were a few days I didn't want to come into work because I was dreading getting that email from and getting that call. 
and we'd, I'd done everything right. He, he was just one of those people I couldn't make happy. And I remember going to management, talking of, you know, saying we can't make him happy. You know, can we, can we just tell him to go to another company? And she, they laughed at me and goes, we don't say no to business, and <laughs> and you just have to learn to deal with him. And I thought, well, I'm a small business. I, what's important to me is I, I absolutely love my job, but I don't want to go to bed thinking about you know, some owner that's being unreasonable. I don't want to, um, I, you know, you're taking away time from my children where I could be, you know, spending time with them. But instead I'm, I'm thinking about how am I going to reply? How am I going to deal with this? But also it was I didn't want their behaviour to impact on my staff. So I saw that from from working from the bigger business that I didn't want to come in at on days because I didn't want to have to deal with that. So I didn't want to put my staff in that same situation. I I want to make sure this is a fun place to come to. Um, and if there's somebody that's making it hard, then it's just not worth it because they're going to do more damage in the long run. And, look, we've left some people some really unhappy, um, but they were doing more damage to my reputation as well. So when you've got an owner that's not wanting to do the maintenance or is ignoring you, um, and it's just being unreasonable, you can you can tell the tenant, I'm trying to get this address, I'm trying to get to address this address, but they just think that you're being lazy. They mm. think that you're not doing the job. So, and, you know, owners aren't the only ones that recommend you to um, to new clients. It's also your tenant. So, um, and I always see my job as, yes, I'm paid by the client, by the landlord, but my clients are always the tenants and the owners. I kind of see myself as the middle person. My job is to make both people happy. Um, and in these instances, these these tenants were, were being let down and it was looking bad on me. And I just thought for the small amount of money you get each week, it just wasn't worth that stress. And I remember the first time I did it, I um, my husband was, you know, he was really... Um, he was really encouraging it. And that night I had the best sleep. And I remember <laughs> thinking, why did I hold on to that person for so long? Um, and it just felt so good. But I've, the other thing I've also had is a couple of owners where um, they, they've treated me like their slave. Mm. And um, very early on there was one gentleman that was um, – First time, first time landlord. It was his first property, and uh, he was quite young, and he he was very rude. And I think it was within the first month. I just said um, he, he called he called me a liar for some reason. I said I was attending to something. He said you're lying. You're doing this, and I just lost it with him. And I just <laughs> said, don't you dare call me a liar. You know I work my ass off for my clients, and and if you you need to trust me. Um, and if you can't trust me, then I can't work for you. And um, asked him to go find a new um, property manager. And I had a lovely long email from him that night apologising and saying he's right, that he needs to learn to trust me more. Um, it's his first property and, and that he was in, um, he was wrong in, what, in saying that I was lying to him. And our relationship's been really good since then. Um, but I feel like sometimes there are some owners that you do have to be very firm with them and, and you don't want to because you're a new client, you want to say yes to everything, but I'm not I'm not a slave. 
Um, I manage other people's properties as well. I will always do the right thing by them. Um, but I, and so I've, I've done that twice where I've had to be very firm with, with owners and I've found that I've actually gained more respect from them. So it's not, it's not something you want to do um, and I would rather not do it. But I'm, in both those instances, I'm glad and I'm definitely glad I was able to hand over the properties for the ones that I have done and um, would not be afraid to do it either. But um, now I guess we, I actually ask a lot more questions of the of um, potential clients when I go and meet them you know I give them my pitch but then I ask them about them you know what is your idea of maintenance do you know what wear and tear is and and I explain to them that we don't take on every person that comes to us we are picky and that if they do want to come with us then I've got some conditions as well that they would need to agree to such as Owners can't do their own maintenance. I have to have my contractors do them. And that maintenance is a must. It's not negotiable. Um, and, and, and pretty much if I can't get hold of them, then I will make the executive decision where a lot of owners are saying, no, if you can't get hold of me, you just keep trying or you don't do that maintenance um, until you get hold of me. And that can be, that can be uh, you know, six weeks and you can't leave someone's air conditioning not running for six mm. weeks. So... I've got a lot more conditions and I've learned that I've become a lot harder um, than when I first started, but um, it, I, I think it's, it's for the best. Well, you said it before, it's, it's the respect that, that you get um, by, by having that standard that, you know, everybody needs to meet. And I, and especially if you're coming from a place where you're being reasonable and fair and if people don't want to play by those rules, then that's completely fine. And, and the fantastic thing about it is that this is this is your business and you're empowered to be able to make decisions. And with that comes consequences and and you make those those assessments before you make the decisions as to what what, what are the outcomes gonna be when I before I make this make this call. Um, but no doubt being able to to articulate that to people and demonstrate what your standards are and not just accepting anything and just running with it and letting other people sort of run all over you. Um, you would no doubt just be building respect with your existing client base, probably the local area and the local market as well with anybody out there that might not even be ready to, to look at a service like yours, but understand that if and when a time comes that you'll be one of those options that they will heavily consider because of the reputation that you have. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So for four odd years in now, what's, what's the next few years look like? What's the next 12 months look like for the business? So is there, is there grand plans here or is it sort of just to keep it, keep it moving and keep the momentum going? What, what's it look like? Look, if you ask my husband, he's got a lot of big grand plans. Okay. <laughs> um, I think mine is probably still that confidence factor. Mm. Um, I've, I found the hardest part of having a business is staff and getting good staff. Um, I struggled for a while, but my, um, my colleague is, I, I, when I introduce her to people, I actually introduce her as my left leg because I would be lost without her. She... Um, she helps carry me. She helps carry the business, and, and she's amazing. Um, but I, we're, we're, I'm stuck in this area, going, do we grow or do we do we stay how we are? We, we're very comfortable where where we're at. Um, we've got 
you know, we have days where we're so busy, we, we can't even talk to each other because we just head down. And there's other days where we're quiet, we're going, well, let's go for a nice long lunch. And, you know, we're loving where we're at, where we've got that every day is a different day. And we think if we grow, we could actually make things a lot harder. And my fee is growing and not being able to provide that same standard of service to our clients. So, um, my accountant is probably more like my business counsellor. I, I go to her and go, oh, I'm not sure what I should do. What are we doing here? So I think at the moment we're probably looking at staying the same size for the next, probably the next two years. But as my two kids grow up and they get a little bit older and, and don't need me as much, and I guess I don't need as much flexibility in picking them up from, you know, childcare and, and preschool, I think we would look at growing. My my dream is to keep it small, but what I would love in 10 years is for us to have, you know, it'd be me, two other property managers, admin and um, two assistants. Um, so still quite small, not a big agency, but bigger than what we are. That's probably my dream. But in the near future, we're actually doing some office renovation. So we're going to actually have a bigger office to actually give us that room to to bring more staff on if we wanted. Um, but at the moment, it's just building the office, getting it bigger, and then maybe keeping us where we're at at the moment for the next two years, and then hopefully slowly grow it at, at, at a slow rate and bring more um, more staff on. I think that's the dream. Well, that's... Um that renovation of the office and making it bigger is um, is your pre-planning. The thing that you didn't do with the C with the CRM or the, uh, the um, <laughs> or, or going going with the the company option as well. You, you, this is this is something that you're doing, even though you're not ready to expand your team. You're making those first few steps to 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 get ready for it when when the time's right. So uh, yes. so so it, it you're on the right track. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I just want someone to tell me and go, right, this is what you need to do now. And go, okay, we're ready now. But <laughs> so listen to my husband. He wants us to be a team of 40 and, you know, and we're going to be huge. We're going to take over the Darwin real estate market. I'm like, okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> slow and steady, slow and steady. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. And I mean, to to hear the story and, and the way that you describe it as this accidental sequence of events that have gotten have got you to where you are today and for you to say that things as they are now and while at times they can be quite busy and and full on um you're happy with with where you're at and i think it's fantastic to see to see the success that you've had and the way that you're doing it is is great and there's so many great things that that i've got out of this and and for me one of the things that's sort of helped me over the years is and it's it's only it's only been in recent times that i've it's sort of clicked in my own mind and you sort of validated a little bit more with me is, is the power of just being able to be a good communicator and talk to people, building rapport with people and having just those personable skills. Um, I think they have been quite underrated for a long time and I think they're, they're never, well, they never have been held in high regard. And I think now I think those types of skills are more and more sought after um, because they are the point of difference. They are the things that make people choose somebody over somebody else. Um, it's it's that rapport building and the, and the amount of time that you invest in individuals that uh, that can make a, a world of difference. Yes, I agree. When everyone's 
busy on social media and a lot of people pay. I mean, I, I agree you need to have a social media presence, but nothing beats having that personal one-on-one -on -one contact with someone. And I think what I like, especially for my tenants to know, is that I'm always available. So um, not that I'll have to wait till Monday 9am before I can call. I'm available now. I'm, I'm always available. And if it's something that people are, you know, someone's a bit anxious, I'd rather than call me straight away. And spending that time building that relationship with your clients, your, you know, your, your landlords, your tenants, even your contractors has just has worked wonders. And when everyone's so busy on social media, just actually spending that bit of time and building a relationship with someone is, is much better, I think. It stands out even more so than before because of the way that we all communicate normally on a day-to-day -day basis now and where I think the face-to-face -face contact doesn't happen as much as what it used to be in the past. So I think when it does happen, it's really noticed. So yeah. it's, um, so for the people that are really good at it, um, yeah, they're, they're in a good position. So it's really good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm doing something right. <laughs> well, I'll put a whole bunch of links and everything that, uh, that we touched on, um, to your business on the website in the show notes for the episode. And, um, if anybody, um, I'm hoping I get an increase of uh, listeners from the Darwin area, but you know, and these, these podcasts are great because you can listen to them at any time and it could be, you know, within the, the next few weeks or it could be the next few months or the next few years, they're not going anywhere. Um, but when somebody is listening to this and potentially you might be able to provide a service that they're interested in, what's the best way of reaching out to you? Uh, look, I'm happy if people want to contact me through the, um, our website um, they can either call me on my mobile or via email facebook i actually am happy to take inquiries anyway <laughs> whatever suits someone i'm happy to work with them easily available i love it yes well rebecca thank you so much and once again thank you for for sacrificing a little bit of your friday night with me and i've, I've absolute pleasure talking to you and um, i look forward to seeing where where the business goes in the future as well Thank you so much for your time. It's been exciting. Thanks, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Rebecca from Want De Row Real Estate in Darwin. As always, you can check out everything in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au. I'll have all of the links to everything that Rebecca's involved with. If you're in Darwin and you need a property or you have some properties that need to be managed, then Rebecca might be your person. So everything will be in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au. However, before we wrap this up, I have some key takeaways from this chat with Rebecca. Now, I got four key points from this chat with Rebecca. And as always, you know the drill. If I miss something or you got something slightly different from this chat, I would love to hear from you. Please drop a comment in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au or you can message me via any of the social media platforms by searching at Andy Dowling. However, here we go. Number one, a business plan makes all of the difference. We've touched on this previously in episode five with Berry Mountain Cycles. However, Rebecca cannot emphasize enough the importance of a business plan. Having clarity of what you are doing is critical to ensure you are protecting your venture as well as you and your loved ones. Rebecca learned this the hard way growing up, having identified that a lack of business plan hurt her family businesses. Number two, their failures are not your failures. Despite having some tough memories of hardship due to failed family businesses, Rebecca was able to push through these deep-seated feelings. I think we all know friends and family members who use their bad experiences to inform us how to approach our own goals. 
It's always good to learn from others. However, it's really important to remember that other people's failures are not your failures. Number three, your character is your asset. It's so simple, yet it's so hard for many people. Rebecca's approach to her clients and people in the community over the years have given her a reputation of reliability, care, and professionalism. Sure, Rebecca would no doubt be knowledgeable and skilled in what she does. However, it's her character that is her true asset. Be sure to always work on yourself personally. Learn about your personality strengths and weaknesses and harness them for good. You'll be absolutely amazed at how much of this makes or breaks opportunities. Number four, set your standards and learn to say no. There is absolutely nothing wrong with saying yes to everything, depending on your type of business. However, the power of saying no is highly underrated. Sometimes we get stuck in the weeds of a cheap product, a high maintenance customer, or simply dealing with a situation that is below the standards that we set. There is nothing wrong with saying no to a customer or an opportunity if they do not meet your requirements or standards. It's also a case that the prospective customer may actually get a better service and outcome elsewhere. Remember though, it's how you say no that counts. And that's it folks. Those were my key takeaways from this chat with Rebecca from Wantaro Real Estate in Darwin. As always, all of that information and everything we discussed in this episode is in the show notes over at selfstarter.com.au. There's a nice little Facebook plug in there so you can easily leave your comments. So please let Rebecca know what you thought of this episode. Now, before we wrap it up, as always, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching at Andy Dowling. There's plenty of contact details on the Self Starter website. And I must say, as always, thank you so much for the feedback, the constant encouragement, the guest recommendations. As you can see, we are branching out all over this country. So please keep them coming because I've got plenty of stuff in the works and I'm loving where this is going. Lots of great episodes to come. So please continue to share this around. It means a hell of a lot to me. But until next fortnight, folks, Keep moving forward, keep chipping away at your goals, and I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Larry. Larry, please.